Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We welcome you to yet another podcast. That is, we are going to cover on the security of the 4G and the 5G networks. We welcome Mr. Akib Sayed, who is the founder of Matrix Shell and a leading security enthusiast who has been leading solutions to address the security issues of the 4G and the 5G network. Let me just start with this journey a little bit. A graduate from Pune Engineering College in 2012 and uh, uh, in fact, he was struggling with a few of his subjects in the engineering college with his permission, I uh, say so. But however, his passion for the security made him to dwell into the issues and uh, understand the telecom security from a little closer perspective because of which he in fact demonstrated his capabilities in one of the security conferences where he found a vulnerability in one of the leading operators uh, communication network and his passion finally led him to expand his knowledge and broaden his horizon for the telecom security domain. With the large experience of working in the corporate for around 10 years plus, he has worked for various national and international operators, helped them with their penetration testing and uh, with his uh, knowledge of the security and how these communication protocols, the security vulnerabilities affect uh, the telecommunication network, he has uh, founded certain security solutions. So he is here with us, he joins us to share his experience and uh, tell us, tell our audience as to what all are the various dimensions that uh, should be addressed while uh, India is on the pace of expanding its 5G coverage across the country. So let us uh, hear from Mr. Akib Said the journey of the network evolution from 1G to the 5G. Let's understand from him what are the security uh, aspects uh, to be addressed when it comes from, for the communication between a handset and the core that is that runs behind somewhere else. How is the shift from uh, the hardware-based infrastructure to the cloud-based infrastructure in the 5G is going to impact security. How should uh, the security be handled when it comes to the roaming aspects? How should the security be uh, considered when it comes to handling the smallest element of the ecosystem, which is our SIM card and possibly now in the virtual form that is the eSIM card. So we're going to take you through the entire landscape of to how the security is being handled in the 4G and the 5G networks and therefore what are his recommendations and his views being a hands-on person over to Akib and let's hear from the man of the day, Mr. Akib Said. While we dwell into the 5G security domain, let's first understand for the audience as to how has these telecom networks evolved mm -hmm. from 1G to 5G? What elements actually got added or got replaced or uh, had an equivalence uh, in terms of the functionality? And because of these elements, how has the shift in the security happened? If you could just kindly walk the audience of this transition of these networks from 1G to 5G. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the 1G first. 1G was entirely analog one and nobody uses the 1G now. But later on, uh, when, the, when we added 2G, we had time division multiplexing and frequency division multiplexing. And these were entirely the real start of the digital communication here. So speaking about 2G, we had, you know, the BTS, we had the base station controllers and we had the core network. So 2G initially was only intended for the voice, but later on they go or they went on adding the services like SMS, then they added uh, USSD, then they added the data to it as well, which is called as a 2.5G, which is GPRS yeah. or 2.75G, which is eGPRS. Yeah. Then uh, uh, 2G initially, we uh, speaking about the 2G and 3G, you'll see that, you know, there's a separation between the packet switch network and the circuit switch network. So initially in 2G, it was entirely a circuit switch network, which was only about the calls, SMS, etc. But later on, they added another uh, part to it that is a packet switched. So 
when we speak about the circuit switch and packet switch here, there is a separation directly from the base station controller. What is a base station controller? It is a device that actually controls the different towers of the 2G network, like channel allocation, etc or you know t allocation and whenever we move from one area to another area when we are in a call so the, it is the base station controller which does the activity of handing over your cell phone communication from one tower to another tower now uh, speaking about the core network of 2g we will we have msc we have vlr we have hss we have eir these were the network element but when, when we added the another part that is 2.5g we added sgsn ggsn and the internet uh, internet access here when we move to 3g the terminologies most of the terminologies changed but some of the terminologies upgraded in terms of the software support so the bts which was there in 2g it's called as a node b now in 3g and the b station control which was there it is called as a rnc now in 3g and uh, speaking about the core network we have the same sgsn but the software upgraded version we had the ggsn again upgraded to the software version which is also called as the release 99 and then we have in msc also we have uh, upgraded of the uh, upgraded the software so that you it can support the 3g networks as well now when we move ahead to the 4g then again the architecture is entirely changed so Initially, we used to have radio network controller or base station controller, which used to control the operations of the tower. They introduced all this functionality into a single system that is called as an E-Node-B, that is Evolve Node-B. This Evolve Node-B is taking care of all the decisions which was combinedly taken with the help of BSC or BTS or the RNC or the Node-B. And you have only one network element which actually takes the decisions of the, all the radio resource control part. But uh, when, when you want to, you might be thinking about how do we do the handovers then. So these BTS, these E-Node-Bs can communicate between each other and take the decision by themselves. Speaking about the core, as we move ahead from 2G, 3G to 4G, we have entirely packet switch network. There is no circuit switched here. And this circuit switch network is, uh, you know, comprised of MME, S-Gateway, P-Gateway and the HSS and the billing entity that is a PCRF. So five network element entirely create your entire 4G network. And uh, but if you see, uh, you must be noticing that, you know, we, there is a, another issue that we will be seeing here that we'll be discussing ahead as well about the security. Every generation comes up with this new security issue, but patching the sum of the old security issues that is there. Like, uh, you know, you must have heard the news that, you know, fake base station or the MC catchers. Those attacks are still possible on the 2G network because the 2G network doesn't have some, you know, mutual authentication. 3G added some mutual authentication to it. 4G added some extra pair of extra, you know, extra layer of authentication or not, not authentication, I'd rather say extra layer of encryptions or extra layer of verifications so it added. Coming, coming to the 5G, if you see there are all the network elements are segregated now. Entirely, they are entirely in a software now. And, and one of the best part who are the who are interested in the 5G is that you know who want to learn the 5G. They can actually simulate everything in a software inside their own PC. 5G also come up with something new terminology that is being used a lot in IT that is a cloud-based architecture. So entire 5G that is being deployed nowadays in a commercial network as well is entirely based on the cloud network and entire software.
Initially in 2G, 3G, 4G, you have seen that there are huge routers are there which were doing, performing the functionality of the S gateway or P gateway. There was a, a MSC which was like, you know, at least a 24, 42U rack, okay, that was there. But that those are completely out of the focus now. You can even have this uh, small computer like a Raspberry Pi and you can entirely simulate your entire 5G core in it. So that's, that is the level of change is there now, right now. Great, wonderful insight into the journey of this transition. Before we move to the core security aspects, mm -hmm. for the audience, let us understand this ecosystem picture. Mm -hmm. What I want to ask you that, uh, would you like to just comment on, uh, from the national level, mm -hmm. in terms of percentages, mm -hmm. what percentage of you think the 3G networks are still in place, 4G network and 5G networks? I'll start with the 2G first, because, you know, uh, what I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you one best uh, part here, which is most of the time the economics that, that that drives the economics of the operators. Operators are thinking that you know, for 2G to run a 2G network, I only need a 200 kilohertz of bandwidth. To run a 5G, a 3G network, I need a 500 megahertz of bandwidth. And to run a 4G network, I need minimum, minimum say 5 to 1.5 megahertz of bandwidth. Okay. So what operators are preferring, they are trying to remove the 3G network, but keeping the 2G network. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to uh, keep the 4G network and the 5G network. The, the game they're here, here they're trying to play is most of the, uh, so I will not tell you uh, about, you know, about the only one country, I'll try to tell you in general. So let me give you one example here. Let's take example, I, I recently been to USA, but I was still able to find the 2G network there. The reason behind that is they say that we have removed the 2G, but they are supporting this for the purpose of roaming. So in certain cases, no matter whether you have 4G or whether you have the 5G, you need to have some backward compatibility for the roaming purposes. Okay, now coming to the percentage, honestly, I'll, I'll, I'll rather say that in India, most of the you know urban area is covered with the 5G. Most of the urban and rural is covered with the 4G and 2G has a great penetration already. So, and if you, you must have seen that in India as well, some of the operators removed the 2G network, sorry, uh, they removed the 3G network, but they are keeping the 2G network as it requires the low cost to maintain or it requires, it, it utilizes the less spectrum. But uh, for 4G and 5G, of course, you need a bigger spectrum, higher processing capabilities. So it also adds a capex to you. Well, so I'll not go into the uh, network architecture planning, but we'll, from this clue, I'll just take on the, um, to the aspect of security. Now that uh, there is a major percentage of still retention of 2G because of uh, the bandwidth that it needs, I mean, per channel, which is 200 kilohertz and it has eight slots possibly, I think. Yeah. So that goes into the typical GSM domain, yeah. which is the 2G thing. Yeah. Uh, however, in the 4G, the uh, bandwidth offer, which is 1.4, 3 megahertz or 5 megahertz or 10 megahertz or 20 megahertz carrier, so an operator of a large scale operator, which kind of we have some major operators in the country. So they may like to go, I think, with minimum 20, 50, 10 megahertz bandwidth is the one because of the bandwidth that we advertise 150 Mbps as a downlink and uh, 50 Mbps in the uplink right. to support those kind of. And these are in any case peak career throughputs. Right. Uh, with this, uh, what I wanted to understand that uh, how do you see the security is going to coexist? when the 2G is also in existence and the 4G is also in existence. I'll come to 5G later on, but let's say that an operator wants to do away with the 3G mm -hmm. because finally he has to invest in the uh, infrastructure, whether it is 4G and uh, I think even India is coming up with rolling out 4G networks also pan India mm -hmm. across various states while the 5G also is being uh, rolled out by the private operators. Mm -hmm. But uh, how is the security going to coexist when 2G is also going to be there? 
which you say that based on your experience you notice that 2g is still there and when this 4g security is also being implemented so i'll i'll put it this way let me tell you one thing so most of the time what happens is uh, 4g it requires uh, as we discussed it requires, uh, requires a bandwidth in megahertz and it doesn't have much wall penetration or the building penetration rate so sometimes operator push you back to 2g so it is called as a circuit switch fallback so that you can receive a call but uh, i'll rather say like this is you know um, let's take example you want to think about the security of it right so initially i'll talk about first the encryption then i'll talk about how it can again impact as well so when when i was testing the networks for 2g which was having the co- which has a coexistence with the 4g we have seen most of the time whenever there is a circuit switch fallback the operator activates the 2g connection only for that time being that you okay you are you don't have service at the 4g now you go back to 2g temporarily and you after use the call is service you come back to 4g that is the one option but wh- while doing this they are adding the authentication to the 2g network they are adding the a5/3 encryption again which is not breakable but there are some phones like a feature phones which has uh, which doesn't have support for the a5/3 okay so at that time they are actually using the fi/1 but when we do the testing and when we suggest the operator boss you should not allow fi/1 you should not allow fi/0 or fi/2 now uh, speaking about the coexistence let me tell you one thing uh, i'll talk i'll talk from the core core perspective yeah, initially yeah, because yeah, you know yeah. core is the major uh, secure, security issue because uh, let let me give you an example if you want to hack any phone from the air interface you will need a good set of sdrs you will need a hopping you know fast processor that could do the hopping in of the frequencies and you will also need uh, some good fpgas or you, you will need a good uh, rainbow tables to crack the keys if it is a fast slash one by the way so but hacking the 2g network initial uh, in nowadays if they are using a fast slash 3 is nearly not practical but it is still possible if you have the weak signaling network means uh, there are some attacks available that allows you to with recover the encryption key of the 2g communication without doing any cracking you you just need the access to the operator signaling network you need the temporary subscriber identity of the subscriber of the phone and you can just recover the key within a fraction of seconds as long as the operator is vulnerable mm-hmm. so those attacks are there and to prevent these attacks operator have introduced the signaling firewalls correct correct yes. but do you think that uh, this also brings me to this thing which means is handset a vulnerable uh, element in this entire security thing I'll tell you one thing here. Uh, end user device. I'll I'll, I'll talk talk about that as well. So if you see uh, operators when they bring the when they give the service, it it comes as cots. Cots in the sense commercially of the oh. self. Okay. So anyone can bring in any phone which is capable of serving that particular technology, and you can use it there. So that is operator is allowing. This is actually a vulnerable thing in terms of uh, implementation vulnerability. What I what I'm trying to say here is, anyone who's having the weak baseband uh, uh, baseband implementation may be able to you know maybe weak uh, maybe exploited by the, by anyone. But again, you need to have some good skills, good you know like a very good skills to actually attack on a baseband. And every phone is has a different version. Like let's take an example. If you see, if you go to market today, you'll find at least three third, more than three hundred or three hundred different, uh, you know, band, different phones. Okay, which is every phone, and not every phone is using the same chipset. Hence, mm-hmm. not every phone is having the same vulnerability. Got it. 
so you need to have all this uh, issue uh, all this uh, you know capability but there is another point of which i should i want you to uh, uh, speak here is the zombie zombie ue that is a zombie phone so what is happening nowadays is you know you might be finding there are some phone uh, app store application of the google play or somewhere where, where you know you download that app um, by knowingly or by unknowingly you download that app and it has some kind of a malware which is generating a ddos on behalf of you mm -hmm. which is stealing your pass stealing your credentials mm -hmm. okay so this should not be the this this is actually introducing the you know weakness whether it is a 2g 3g or 4g mm -hmm. so i'll rather say that hacking uh, getting attacked or getting exploited due to the weakness of handset is a different thing and getting exploited due to the human error is a different thing and human error is the major uh, major cause of attack actually but uh, if i have to mitigate this aspect of air interface encryption in which the algorithms in the 2g first i'm covering that part mm -hmm. where uh, a51 is to be avoided and uh, a53 is you is the is a recommended one which is still not crackable even if you're on the 2g network yeah. so do you think that uh, i mean though it may be beyond uh, our purview or to but technically speaking if is if the handsets which only allow a53 algorithm implementation mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so we do think that's one of the way to mitigate uh, the air interface vulnerability of uh, the communication because handsets or 2g networks could be used by the civil population who could be staying within the country or even near the border areas or for that matter any other government official as well so idea is this that uh, so but precisely if we, i mandate if i have the authority and i mandate that handset has to have the a53 algorithm implementation and only such handset should be used do you think it mitigates risk on the 2g network to some extent so i'll i'll say that uh, mandating the communication to a5/3 i'll say that it is maximum it will create a effect of 20% the reason because 2g doesn't have the mutual authentication means you the, only the network can authenticate the phone phone cannot authenticate the network mm -hmm. the 2g uh, the 3g and above technologies are doing the mutual authentication means so, you, so, uh, so sorry to cut but which means the aspect of if there's a fake bts which is put across mm -hmm. let's say uh, to ultimately Uh, let the subscriber latch on to that fake bts so that is possible still possible in the 2g 2g so what uh, attacks for the audience uh, could you just little explain it how how will that happen and how is that attack going to ultimately affect the subscriber who's already who has a sim card registered on a particular operator's name but a fake bts comes up and so what are the risks to that in terms of communication or loss of data so i'll i'll explain how the fake bts attack, bts attack actually happens imagine a case you have a phone which is having 2g 3g 4g capability and it is having the active sim and you have the active network as well and someone with the fake bts comes into your area or in near your vicinity and he start broadcasting the gsm network first thing he will do that you know he will set his network priority as highest secondly if you have the 4g capability 4g has a vulnerability of a downgrade downgrade vulnerability so so before before that I'll, i'll explain you what exactly happens in the 4g is whenever the 4g sees the new network of the same operator it says that i want to register there as well so this is this, this is called as a tracking area update so what exactly happens is whenever the phone performs a tracking area update on attacker's fake bts he will say that hey you are not allowed on this network you should go to this 2g network these are the parameters and the phone goes to that 2g network just like that and force the phone stays there as long as the user wants to it and as long as that fake bts is running
and if you reboot your phone even then the phone will first connect to the fake 4g tower that fake 4g tower will again send back to a 2g network and you will be still stuck with a 2g network there are mechanisms to detect it you can detect this 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 attack in the inside the sim card you can detect this attack inside the phone applications as well but of course you need to have some apis to be exposed from the baseband or some apis to be exposed from the uh, from the sim cards as well so yes this can be detected but uh, eliminating this problem in 2g is not practical only thing you can do is you know you can instruct the sim card or instruct the phone that okay don't don't start connecting only for the same reason google is going to implement one new feature in android that you can forcefully turn off the 2g network that no 2g network at all this is what is going to be there in the upcoming google uh, android releases Akib, I just wanted to understand that uh, in this 2G network, as we discussed that, uh, how the uh, network topologies are evolving or how the architecture is actually coexisting in across the nation and across the world also, where 2G is coexisting with 4G or uh, whether 4G switches to the 2G network in case of the weak coverage or uh, there's a circuit switch fallback happening. Mm -hmm. But wherever in isolation, one is forced to use a 2G network because of uh, primary requirement of voice as the means of communication. Uh, in that case, what are the security risks which are there? Mm -hmm. How uh, are the aspects of like fake BTSs, mm -hmm. which could be a risk to security? How are they practically being exploited? Mm -hmm. And what are the countermeasures in, in those scenarios? Okay, so uh, let's take a let, let let me give the real world example where the 2G could be a you know a requirement only 2G could be the requirement. It could be a hilly station or where you know uh, you know get, reaching out to the certain uh, masses is not. Uh, I mean data is not priority. Only voice is priority. So let's let's take example area such as borders. Okay, there someone is putting the towers or someone is putting the and another country is putting the interception units. The first mandate should be FI slash three encryption should be mandatory over the air second one should be authentication frequency on the each communication is should be increased this will increase the complexity of the attack let's take example i'll tell you uh, you have a 2g network you are talking on 2g network and you cut the call and you you made another new call at that time the network should re-authenticate you and reassign you to a temporary subscriber identity and then only you should allow the allow the call this will add little latency but this will ensure one thing whenever the phone is authenticated you get a new encryption key and whenever the new temporary subscriber identity is changed assigned to you uh, new new tmc is assigned to you it becomes difficult to identify which user was this mm -hmm. okay as every time you will see the new temporary subscriber identity will be being assigned mm -hmm. So this actually gives a really good uh, protection in terms of 2G network when it comes to the working with the actual operator. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the fake BTS, there is a way that you know you can run your network. Say you have, we have a two uh, two two tower in next to each other. One is a fake and one is a clear one is a correct one. Okay, one is a real tower. At that time, there is a way that operator or the attacker could jam the existing tower which is real. And he will use the parameters such as mobile network code or mobile country code. And with this combination, he will host another GSM network. Mm -hmm. And uh, there is uh, there is something called as a synchronization channel in the GSM. That is SCH, it is called, SCH channel it is called. He will block that SCH channel. So the phone will not be able to latch onto the correct tower. And hence, it will start looking for another channel, mm -hmm. which, is, which belongs to the same operator. Mm -hmm. But on this 
same operator, he will not be able to perform the authentication. Mm-hmm. Because the fake BTS always accepts the phone without authentication. Mm-hmm. And then when you try to make a call, if you have the A5CST only algorithm supported mm-hmm. here, you will the network will not be able to understand what communication you are trying to do here. If if it is A5 slash three, but if you are using, uh, if the network is asking you, okay, don't do the authentic, uh, don't don't do the encryption, then consider this as a red flag for you, because fake BTS never perform the encryption at all. So this is where the aspect of mutual authentication comes into play. Now that you told that, how is this ultimately going to get exploited by a fake BTS, which possibly will use the same country code, same network code. And uh, emulate a network so that when the handshake is happening between the handset mm-hmm. and the tar, that is the BTS uh, and the controllers back and there is no authentication because a fake BTS would never ask for the authentication and it is the tar which initiates. And since in 2G, uh, the handset doesn't authenticate the network, which is the vulnerability I think which has been addressed in the 4G. Right. That is where the... Even in, in 3G as well. In 3G as well. So that is where the now the security upgradation happened from 2G to the 4G. Right. So a great insight, I think, for the audience. And uh, taking it forward, now when we come to the 4G network, mm-hmm. before we come to actually the 5G, which is the current existing uh, telecommunication network, which is uh, coming for the mm-hmm. mobile broadband access. In the 4G network, uh, let's start from uh, in the... Architect, that is the user and device, that, that, that is the UE side, the user equipment side. And let's take down from the UE to the E node B and from the E node B to the EPC, which is the evolved packet core. That is the uh, uh, that is uh, parallel to the MSC, in fact, uh, what we called in the, the GSM networks. Can we walk down from the first element, that is the UE? In fact, within the UE also, could you just describe the audience, uh, what are these uh, layers called? In between, that is uh, between the UE and the E node B, E node B to the EPC. What are these uh, non-access stratum or the access stratum? How is security handled for the signaling and the data and the communication part since 4G is entirely IP? So if you could just walk us through this journey starting from, in fact, not only from the UE, I would also, uh, or maybe we cover the UE first and then I'll come to the sub-element of the UE, which is the SIM card. Later on, but let's start from the, assumingly that things start from the handset and let's take them right to the core and then uh, how is, uh, what are, what all are the elements, layers are there and how security is implemented. So, uh, speaking from the UE in 4G, this, uh, the UE has defined two types of communication here. One is the access stratum, where you send your user traffic and one is a non-access stratum, which is used for the purpose of registering the phone on the network, performing different, you know, frequent uh, uh, communication with the tel- telecom network. Okay, so in UE, there are two types of encryption and there are two types of integrity checks. One encryption is for the basic in general air, air-to-air communication encryption and air-to-air com- communication integrity check. And there is something called the non-access stratum. It has, it also has the encryption. It also has the integrity check. So it is like you know, you have a pipe, which is the encrypted pipe and integrity protected pipe. Under that pipe, inside that pipe, you will find another pipe for the non-access stratum. And this non-access stratum is again protected with the integrity and again protected with the uh, in, uh, encryption. Okay. And uh, speaking about this as well, right? Uh, but here, the user data on the air interface. Apart from the uh, air-to-air communication, it is not encrypted. Like the access stratum has its own encryption integrity check, but the user traffic doesn't have this encryption. So there was one attack which was very famous uh, in LT, that is Alter attack, 
which utilizes some kind of a some kind of a weakness of this user traffic uh, non encrypted user traffic okay and it actually tried to exploit this so this is the one and uh, as we move ahead to the e node b after e node b apart from non access tartan protocol everything is unencrypted but remember one thing whatever data you send in a non access tartan it goes till the mme mme is the first entry point to the uh, your your uh, apc yes it is a, it is like a gatekeeper for your apc so this entity receives the non access tartan protocol as it is so if let's take, i'll give one nice example here mm -hmm. if you have some vulnerability that is specific to mme mm -hmm. Okay, MME non-access datum, you can directly exploit it directly from the UE. Okay. Okay, you can directly exploit this directly. You can, you know, if you have some corrupted message that could crash the MME. So you craft an, uh, your non-access datum message, okay, as per the uh, as per a payload, and you send it via, uh, via E node B to the MME. Mm -hmm. You can, if the MME is vulnerable, it might crash, it might perform some other activities as well. Mm -hmm. So this is this is this is the major part here, and remember one thing: all the if you see the tel telecom security involvement, you'll see that they are protecting the roaming network, they are protecting, uh, you know, the corporate network, they are protecting the operation maintenance network. But all the attacks are moving toward the UE side now. Mm -hmm. So UE has to be stronger. Mm -hmm. UE has to be robust. Mm -hmm. UE should have and the whatever data received from UE is not in the control of the operator. Mm -hmm. Operator doesn't have any control apart from the specific. Mm -hmm. So anything that is coming as a garbage, mm -hmm. first entry point to this is a radio network, mm -hmm. your uh, E-Node B. Mm -hmm. E-Node B should be robust enough to handle the garbage data or some, some you know, random data that is being sent by the UE. Mm -hmm. Then whatever is data encapsulated in the form of the non-access datum has to be again, uh, when it reaches to the MME, the MME has to be robust enough mm -hmm. to handle this. So this is all about the non-access datum and access datum possi mm -hmm. possibility. And when you move forward from the MME to the serving gateway and yes. the when you move forward from uh, MME to packet uh, MME to PGW and SGW, so whenever the data from UE goes to the E node B, from E node B it is converted into the GTP protocol, GPR tunneling protocol that is GTPU. Okay, and from there it is relayed to the uh, SGW, and SGW will relay it further to the uh, PGW, and PGW will relay it to the internet. Actually, mm -hmm. here the attack probability is less because the the parameter in the GTPU which are actually utilized and which are actually passed are very less, mm -hmm. so that attacking on the GTPU part is very uh, is very you know like a I will not say debatable, but I'll say that very less chances of it. Yeah. So one of the important entities in the EPC is the HSS, right. uh, which is basically, I would say, the uh, key storehouse right. of uh, giving you the seed key and then from where you actually generate the other keys. Right, exactly. So could you comment on that? How is the security supposed to be ensured for that or what are the risks which are can actually originate from that element of the... Okay. Now... Uh, I'll, I'll before uh, we talk about the HSS, uh, which is the 4G version of the HLR, I'd like to take you talk take you to the 2G, 3G. Okay. Initially, in 2G, 3G, anyone can query anyone. But as we move to the 4G, they have defined a specific interface will talk to specific network element only. Mm -hmm. Like MME and the HSS could only talk to each other on the S6A interface. Mm -hmm. Okay, S6A is one of the interface in the diameter. Okay, and you can send only specific number of messages only in it. Okay. Initially in 2G, 3G, it was not possible. Yeah. 
okay so when we come to uh, hss communication right you can fool the hss if there is no, if there is no enough uh, you know signaling firewall or in a protection you can fool the hss and ask him to route the information to wherever you want to route it means let's take example currently we we both are sitting here okay i have your imsi and i i from the uk of uk hacked network i am telling the the hss of uh, your provider that mr vineet currently is in uk now mm -hmm. send all his incoming parameters back to UK. UK so what will happen all your services and everything will be queried back to me asking me okay this is the data for Vineet please send uh, deliver this data to him this is what is possible with the HSS H but remember one thing whatever information is received by the HSS it has to be mandated for the MME to follow it means if the HSS says that Mr. Vineet has access to the private VPN of a uh, private APN of the military uh, the MME has to give it, give the access to it. If the HSS says that Mr. Vineet has, you know, uh, uplink speed of 100 Mbps and downlink speed of 50 Mbps, he has to follow it. Mm -hmm. So all these parameters, HSS is the one who dictates all these parameters. This is called as a subscriber profile. Correct, correct. Yeah. So now, uh, in terms of to ensure the security of these networks, since we all are users of 4G as well, what are the key recommendations you would like to make and to ensure that so those so that as a user and as an operator? There, there are two what things. What can I do as a user and what can uh, what should an operator do to make sure that these uh, aspects of security are addressed? We'll start from the user perspective. We have seen, uh, you know, we, we, we all must have seen the Jamtara, right? How they try to fool the people and all. So there is one more scam that is happening nowadays that is, you know, your bank is going to block your uh, communication. Please update your banking detail. This is the APK file for the yeah. application. You download it and you run it. User should not fall for such a traps. Okay. That is the only thing I'll say the user can do right now. Okay. Because... As long as you're, you're securing your communication, see, let me let me tell you this like this. Operator given has given you the SIM card. It means operator has given you the key to access your services from the operator. As long as you keep the access to this key secure, you're secure. Uh, let, let's leave about the zero days and all the part behind right now. Okay. As long as you're not giving this access to this key to anyone else, you're secure. But speaking from the operator's point of view, operator has a multiple ways to secure. He needs to secure the radio access site, the where the place where they put the tower. He needs to secure his signaling, signaling in the sense of roaming signaling, because most of the attacks happens from the roaming network. Mm -hmm. Now you might be saying, okay, if every operator is trusting each other, why do they hack it? See, I'll, I'll tell you one reason from here. Let's take an example. You are, say, one operator, which is, say, small-scale operator. So let's talk about, say, Mauritius, or you'll talk about some some, some island-based operator you are there. You don't have enough resources to secure yourself. So someone hacked into you, or some for just for the purpose of generating revenue, you leased out your uh, diameter network or SS7 network to someone else. And you don't have the way to monitor whether he is using it for the legal purpose or illegal purpose. Mm -hmm. So it is like that. Whenever you speak to the roaming operator, you should not trust any operator who's communicating with you. Mm -hmm. So operator needs to implement a signaling firewall there that will protect the communication mm -hmm. and, uh, and it will potentially, you know, prevent the misuse of it. 
okay? okay then when you come to the corporate network from where the operational maintenance of the operator happens okay. there you should have the strict firewalling policy you should have the strict pam access or the identity access management solution which will audit what happened who did it why did it mm -hmm. and some level of permissions to certain level of users mm -hmm. those needs to be maintained mm -hmm. now coming to the third side that is you know the oem side let me tell you one thing there was one case which we were solving at that time we noticed that at 12 a.m in the night someone is ha accessing from the neighboring country it was one of the oem oem from that country mm -hmm. some data used to go there there's some strict policies to be there around the oems as well like india did a gauge tape by banning that oem in india mm -hmm. so these these things has to be there so akib you just mentioned about as to what a user should do mm -hmm. and ultimately um, from the OEM uh, from the operator side you just mentioned that an operator needs to make sure that uh, the trust on the roaming network and the signaling uh, protocol that whether it is SS7 or that so that trust should be established and blind trust should not be there while you offload the certain certain services or you connect with the other operators in roaming network right. what are the other dimensions that also should be taken care by the operators so another dimension is that you know the oem should uh, the operator should have the strict policy against the oem accessing the core network or the information export the information of the operator's network outside of the country means you know you should not allow anyone from the oem apart from the debug logs to be exported outside of the country who knows what information is there in that there should be some kind of a sanitization framework or there some there should be some kind of a policies to be implemented by the operator so that not all the information is exported outside of the country yes OEM do need to export some data in terms of some crashes in terms of terms of some debug logs but there should be some sanitization framework has to be there or some level of you know policies has to be implemented so that there should not be any cr crucial information or critical information going to the OEM so in this case when OEM has his own uh, network he has to even possibly at times upgrade the firmware or the base software in the e-node bees or the core at times so uh, what kind of best practices are being followed in the industry so that this aspect where the possibly the oem may land up uh, not closing some ports and uh, may land up exposing ultimately due to those open ports which may get exploited by some adversary or uh, by some attackers so how would you actually what are the best practices which are, which should be instituted by an operator for this to secure this aspect that the leak doesn't happen through the oem inadvertently so uh, usually whenever oems implement anything there are multiple tests happen there first oem will test in its own lab that okay this is a soft this was a software this is the upgraded version of it and i'm going to implement it now in the lab he will do all the testing and everything in his own lab then if the operator is big enough he will implement it in the operator's lab there they will do the testing they will there they will validate it if the operator has a good practice in terms of cybersecurity, they will do the cybersecurity testing in the lab itself okay and then it will be implemented in a production and whenever it is implemented in a production it is never loaded with the full traffic immediately mm -hmm. they will offload one by one one by one slowly 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 they will offload the traffic and once the traffic has been completely uh, transferred to the new network element they will decommission the old older network element but yes there could be some chances that you know when you decommission the network element there could be sometimes you know some public keys private keys or some keys being exposed or some configuration uh, information which is having some crucial information of the network that has to be sanitized again whenever you're decommissioning the new new node node mm -hmm. great insight i think uh, and from here i would like now like to take you mm -hmm. 
from the 4G nuances which we have covered, uh, starting from the UE side uh, to the E node B and back to the core. And we discussed about some elements within the core which are important and how should they be actually be addressed to ensure security. Mm-hmm. Now that India is on the rolling path of uh, expanding the 5G coverage mm-hmm. pan India, uh, could you just uh, describe the audience mm-hmm. the important key elements, how they have changed from 4G to 5G? And therefore, now how has the uh, security controls or security aspects now required to be addressed to make sure that our networks are secure for the citizens and the, the government stakeholders, the enterprises who are going to use this 5G? Okay. So, uh, we'll start again uh, like we did uh, in the past, like uh, in, the, in the previous type, like, you know, we'll start with the UE itself. So, UE has multiple security capabilities already inbuilt there. Initially, till till 4G, the MC, which was which is a unique subscriber identity number, is used to send in a plain text to the core network. But now, in 5G, it is entirely encrypted. And it uses a public key and private key based combination to encrypt the MC. And if anyone is sniffing the air traffic, he will only see the encrypted data. He will not see encrypted. He will not see something else than that. And as this MC travels to the network, it never gets revealed to the actual value until the authentication is successful. And this authentication is only successful after the entire communication is secured. And let's take example, you have a phone you're trying to register over the 5G now, okay? And when you're registering over the 5G now, you send the encrypted MC to the core network. The entry point here is, uh, in, in 4G it was MME, but now here it is AMF. AMF will generate the authentication parameters for it. Will will send the, Once he receives the authentication parameter, then he will send it to the phone. Authentication will complete it. Then the internal network elements such as AUSF will, uh, will, perform, will say that, okay, whether the authentication is completed or not. Initially in 4G, it was MME who is to decide whether the authentication is successful or not. Mm-hmm. But here, the home network and in the home network, the AUSF and the rest of the network element will decide whether this authentication is successful or not. Mm-hmm. Now, you might be saying, what is the, what is the, what is the benefit mm-hmm. here, right? So let me talk, take you to the roaming network here. Let's take example, you have a 5G network mm-hmm. in say USA and you are, in, in, you are an Indian subscriber. Mm-hmm and uh, the network you register on the network then the 5g network of usa will not confirm that you have successfully authenticated until and unless the indian network tells you that it is successfully authenticated initially how it was it was the us network has the authority whether to certify this indian subscriber is successfully authenticated or not this is called as a home-based authentication verification Another point is that when we move ahead to the air interface or when we move ahead with the G-Node-B as well, so access datum protocol is also integrity protected as well as it is encrypted as well. And when we move towards the core with the AMF, there is a segregation here. What kind of segregation? That is called as a CUPS, C-U-P-S, Control Plane User Plane Separation. What it does is it allows you to scale in very, very, you know, very easily, if you want to scale up your network very easily, you'll easily scale up your network. That is, you can go on adding the packet, uh, packet, um, what do you call it? packet gateway such as UPF, and you can go on adding the signaling part as well. If you, if you have, let's take an example. <coughs> You have UPF for the audience's user plane function. Yeah, user plane yeah. function. Yes. So uh, uh, when you when you speak about the you know separation of the UP, uh, user plane function here, okay, you can go on adding the UPF without needing to upgrade the rest of the network. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, and if you could just tell the audience why do we need upf so why do we need upf is uh, okay I'll, i'll i'll come to that point see whenever we like we've seen a non access datum access datum non access datum is entirely part of the amf then uh, ausf and rest of the network element who are handling each other okay and if you speak about the upf upf will be actually delivering your data service okay upf will be actually you know giving you internet access it will actually giving you access to the ims it will actually giving you access to the uh, slices okay slices uh, what i mean by slices is actual data access to the slices so not exactly what what packet gateway was doing exactly. in the 4g is being done by upf in the 5g right. is exactly. it is it correct for the okay, audience that is, that correct. Is absolutely so this correct. is uh, uh, they removed the sgw got it because technically speaking it was unnecessary mm-hmm. Okay, they just remove the SGW and they just uh, convert the packet gateway into the UPF now. Okay, but when we now let's let's talk in a separate way now. We'll talk about the uh, packet uh, user plane. We'll talk about the uh, sir, signaling plane. Okay, now in control plane, when you speak about that, everything is end to end validated. What I mean by that is, even if the communication happening between the two network element, it is validated with the OAuth. It is validated with the play with the PKI based encryption, okay, and the best part, which all of the audience who are using the buff suit will love it, it is HTTP two and JSON, okay, okay, because five G is entirely now uh, HTTP two protocol. Mm-hmm. It is not at all using SS seven, which was for two G three G. It is not at all using four G, but now it is entirely HTTP two. So how does that increases the vulnerability in a five G network, and therefore what are the challenges now for the CISOs of the telecom operators? or the ceos who are supporting this it services or uh, pen testing so how do they challenge the increases with this http2 coming is as the communication protocol i'll come to that between see, the entities uh, i'll tell this see initially let's, let's take a com- example of our country india that is bharat okay so we have airtel we have jio we have uh, bsnl we have uh, vodafone okay these four operators are there but there is another opportunity coming up in the telecom network that is a private network and private network that could be ranging from 10 subscriber 100 subscriber 1000 subscriber right so this adds another area for small players to start developing what start developing the 5g core and indian ecosystem has many many develop many people who are developing the 5g core mm-hmm. so i was talking about you know how the http2 actually you know creates additional of the exploitation if you see uh, we have seen the some issues in the ss7 and diameter that you know these are the protocol level vulnerabilities but now the vulnerabilities will be coming from the human configuration error there will be vulnerabilities will be coming from the implementation based error okay now let me give you an, one example speaking about the http http2 vulnerabilities right initially if you see the ss7 protocol or diameter protocol the issues were in the design the the in ss7 the issues were you know no authentication no encryption no integrity protection if you speak about the diameter though there was some capability for the security no one utilized them okay so what i'm trying to tell you here is the issues that we are going to see in the near future will be like a hard bleed we have seen the hard bleed was implementation error not the protocol error protocol which was there like the or let's say or let's talk about the open ssl or the ssl okay it has all the facilities encryption is there authentication is there integrity protection is there but the way it was implemented was wrong same issues you will be finding there finding in the network element now i'll give you one test case here that is a part of the indian government standard for the 5g security 
you cannot have the duplicate key inside the JSON protocol when you're communicating with the 5G network element. Okay, this is just one test case, but this has multiple big big impact in the background. Okay, this can cause a confusion in the network element if there is no duplication is checked. This can cause some kind of a, you know, like a overwriting of the existing information is there. It's like it is something called as a, you know, stuffing stuffing the uh, multiple values under the same key in the JSON. Okay, so these type of attacks will be there. This type of attack will be coming up in the future. So what the step that Indian government is taking is, you know, the Indian government has developed the ITSR. These ITSRs are actually part of the, you know, the huge research in the back end and it is based on a 3GPP as well as the Indian government's own research. And this is being being implemented now in the 5G network. If any Indian OEM or any uh, any external OEM, like, like a foreign OEM, wants to deploy any 5G network inside India now, he has to pass this ITSR test. Once he passed this ITSR test, then we can say that yes, this network element is capable enough to sustain some kind of a, I will not say some kind, but it, it will say that 99% of the security can be ensured here. The same type of standard is being implemented in a different part of the world, like INISA or the European country, European consortium is coming up with the same. The you know the uae or the uh, arab arab countries are also coming up with the same so and the gsma which is uh, operators organization this is they are they're also coming up with this as a nisa's network equipment security accreditation scheme so this will ensure that you know whatever the network elements that are being deployed have the some level of security in it yeah this all this standard would also apply to our security entrepreneurs who are trying to build up uh, 5g core Yes. Or the uh, G Node Bs as well. Yes. So Indian government has defined every for defined the security standard for every network element, be it a 4G or 5G, be it a 4G radio or 5G radio. They have defined the standard even for the SIM cards as well. And you have to implement. It. You have to get your SIM cards or your 5G network or 5G core network element has to be certified. Then only you can deploy the. You can you can be of a certain surety that you know my my network element can. You withstand any attack that is coming to the coming when it is deployed coming to when it is deployed in the private network. So, for the audience awareness, could you also tell that? Uh, so, are you conveying that the standard mm -hmm. addresses the security concerns right from the SIM card yes. to the handset as well? To the E node B and to the core elements? Yes, it is. So Indian government has uh, specified the standard for the mobile handset. It is they have specified the standard for the uh, SIM card. They have specified the standard from the RAN. They have specified the standard for the core. But I'll I'll rather say that when we speak about the standards in the uh, in the uh, for the handset, they have defined it for the two types. That is one for the application processor, and and they have the standard for the baseband processor as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But uh, do you really would be able to control the various uh, handsets that are coming in the market? Honestly speaking, these are the generic standards. Okay, this will say that you know uh, there should be some kind of a fuzzing has to be completed on certain protocols which are exposed. So if you see about the uh, say G Node B, if you say so G Node B has a non uh, NGAP protocol. Okay, which is which goes towards the MME. So NGAP protocol has to be fuzzed from the commercial fuzzers or the homegrown fuzzers. And once these protocols are fuzzed, then you can say that okay, my this uh, G Node B, it will be with will withstand any uh, any any garbage or you know some kind of a attack it will withstand and it will it will not go fail on that right. so if i simply um, ask you to tell the audience who would be 
who are working in this domain or who are the potential they could be managing security for the operators mm-hmm. so or they could be handling procurement of the security mm-hmm. products or the uh, or the 5g core elements or anything mm-hmm. for them uh, are you trying to convey that what's your view on this that if uh, the equipment which claims to pass the muster of the itsr mm-hmm. or the standards which have been set by the government mm-hmm. what is the uh, i would say the level of reliability that can have on the security by the mere uh, uh, passing the certification master so uh, if any oem claims that you know this uh, our network element has been uh, certified or is passing the itsr he has to first approach the government of india from the government of from this uh, from the government of india will present him the the available labs where whom with whom he can go and check his network certified and the report is not validated by the lab itself lab will present his report to the government of india department department of uh, telecom we have another entity that is called as nccs they will verify whether the actually test happened or not so you know it is not the lab only who will certify this lab will present the finding to the government government uh, department will verify it and once the verification is done then only the certificate will be issued sorry this is a security b- b- topic that we wanted to discuss but uh, it brings me to a dimension which i want you to address that do you think that we'll be able to scale up and uh, the roll out uh, when it comes to security implementation especially 5g coming in the enterprise network private 5g networks are coming out in any case country wide roll out is happening in the 5g mm-hmm. so how is this going to get addressed so are there adequate labs in the country because so if far, that's a, so far uh, so far where there are very few labs i I'll, I'll, i'll say we will be the one of the lab in future show for sure but there will be a, this will be addressed because the government is making it mandated only after there are any efficient number of labs available in the country so far government has made a, mand- a voluntary certification for the ip routers and the wifi cp so far but later on as the adequate number of labs will be coming for the 5g as well as for the 4g they will be making it mandatory soon so what happens till then so do we stall so is the 5g yeah, going to so get stalled so about the government initiative that is about the itsr right so what exactly it is bringing up you know it is bringing up the awareness okay among the oems among the operators okay so these uh, whenever any oem comes to any indian operator that you know we want to implement our network element in your uh, in your uh, network right so they should have this certification to be taken from the government certified lab or government accredited lab and once this lab gives the report to the government the government will validate it and you know give it to the give the certification to the oem so i'm sure with these uh, initiatives which government has taken by bringing out certain uh, policies and certain uh, lab test cases in term in form of the itsr labs that are going to come up in the country so it's a step in the positive direction however would you also recommend that while this initiative scales up mm-hmm. uh, what all the other security aspects that an operator or the security entrepreneurs who are building the core elements or bringing or building up the gnode bees and uh, or uh, or the from the handset side so wh- how should we uh, address the security requirements and what are the challenges we see and therefore how should they be plugged while this initiative scales up so there are two uh, two act- act- uh, one activity for one activity for the each like for oem as well as the operator oem should have the one uh, internal process for developing the telecom network element okay they should follow some policy they should define for some policies around it like secure coding practices 
then they, they should have the you know uh, recurring penetration testing on their network element they should have the fuzzing fuzzing test uh, to be done, run on their network element they should define they should uh, read the specification that are defined by different uh, you know organizations such as the gsma india indian government as well as from the 3gpp and implement those network element inside their uh, inside their uh, inside their application okay then speaking about the operators they should have their own internal due diligence in terms of penetration testing in terms of a stress testing all this has to be validated by the operator okay in their either in their lab or they should visit the oems lab and see that okay these are the tests that are being happening or some you might be saying you know some kind of they can at least review some of the processes that the oem is following inside their organization this is what an operator can do but when the network element is deployed in, in the operator's premises operator should do a thorough check of the each and every uh, policies or each and every configuration that is being deployed inside the network element because see the operator the oem will give you multiple features not every one of them is needed for the operator so they should check what all features are needed for me what all should be what feature should be blocked what should be the level of access like if you bring any new network element into the net into the network okay you should have you should take it under the umbrella of the iam or the privilege access management you should do some kind of a you know a gating for it like a firewalling for it so that certain ports are blocked certain services are not allowed maintaining the user uh, user privileges everything has to be done by the operator once that is there then the operator can be at least minimum sure that you know this network element has been configured well it has implemented the we have the operator have implemented the required configuration only this is necessary for the operator okay. so while uh, these open source tools are available the courses are available to simulate on a simple machine or a vm on a personal machine laptop also to learn about these nuances about the security while it is implemented for the 5g network starting from the handset to the core elements but if as a student i have to learn or we wish to recommend to the our audience who could be budding security enthusiasts who are keen on entering the security of a telecommunication network i mean 5g is on a roll out and we need more capable people who understand security mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to build up a graded road map for them what are what is your recommendation for to build up the road map for the security enthusiast whom the industry can tomorrow absorb and they be, they can subsequently become leaders to take forward the security of the 5g network that india is rolling out so uh, like like i was uh, telling you you know uh, you should understand what was the x technology xg technology issue okay then when we come come to the 5g uh, first understand what are the network elements how they communicate okay then uh, you should understand the different algorithm that that are being used okay then uh, speaking about when you talk about learn learn how the 5g core works in terms of the oauth okay you should understand the oauth context concept of the web web, web web applications then they should understand how the placement of the network element should be like you know let me give you an example the 5g has different proxies okay like a web proxies which allows the segregation of the network element at certain level okay so they should understand which network element has a higher weightage in terms of security and once it is once once it is analyzed then he can write his own uh, like you know the, like a stride model for the purpose of analyzing threat around it once he is able to analyze the threat around it then he can do the some research based on the 3gpp specification 3gpp has a specification for each and every network element in terms of security once you understand these specifications are open for everyone anyone can download them and see it see it implemented 
and of course when uh, if you say let's take example uh, you want to do some research in 5g you should be able to code some apis inside your python or if you want to uh, use any any programming language you should be able to code those apis so that you can write your own tool in that uh, typically speaking you can uh, you know you can generate your own code using the yaml file which are available online this yaml file has the specification of each and every 5g api so you just generate the code and you just keep on writing the different parts types of the exploitation and once you are through with it i think you're good to go now some people might want to say say that you know i want to do a fuzzing so how should i do the fuzzing so, okay so there are some apis exposed inside the uh, inside the 5g code that allows you to directly send the apdu to the sim card uh, not not apdu but a non-access data message directly to the phone and receive the response directly from the phone itself so these are the apis which are available so which you can use it to first the ue you can you can write your own for there are open source library that allows you to write your own fuzzers for the purpose of fuzzing the 5g core whether it is a non-access datum protocol whether it is a ng ngap protocol or the http protocol or pfcb protocol you can you can do it on your own and uh, initially we used to need you know to run the signaling stack you need to have a specific setup specific router okay that is not needed right now you have everything inside your laptop and most of the communication or most of the uh, you know the packet packet traces and everything you can see directly at your laptop i'll point for one more point uh, one more point i would like to bring to attention is you know initially there used to be only three to four operator to look for telecom security but now as the private networks are going to be there the demand for the telecom security expert is going to grow exponentially not not only in india outside of the india as well mostly the european countries as well as for the u.s countries where private networks are already being deployed okay right so um, so how can matrix shell and you as a founder can help those budding security enthusiasts so how how we can help is you know we 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 frequently we do give the training in the different types of uh, cyber security conferences we also have uh, you know uh, some of the simulation tools some of some of them are uh, freeware as well on our github where we, you can just simulate the uh, different types of network you can simulate 2g network you can simulate 4g network oh, of course these are all based on the open source and some of our own uh, tools are also there which we have released it under uh, our git repository which they can just utilize uh, you know like a linux system and they can simulate the 2g 3g network they can simulate the 4g network as well and practice some some attacks on them and of course these are free for free for everyone and recently we have done uh, one telecom village activity in uh, usa where we were actually uh, giving you know the free workshop for the ss7 free workshop for the diameter we also really released some ctfs for the ss7 and diameter network soon we will be we are currently in phase of building the 5g ctf which will be for the based on the entirely based on the http apis and we will be releasing it soon as well hopefully by the by the next telecom village so i think great i think uh, part of it some maybe we can plan for our ecosystem yeah. so that the audience who are watching this and maybe keen on uh, understanding a little more uh, nuanced uh, aspect of the security in 5g right. maybe it will come uh, very handy to them and we are happy to help uh, who who whoever wants to learn about the telecom security we can give him like a you know like a entire path for him 
like most of the time we receive the request from the freshers who 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 wants to learn about it we tell them what they can do with the help of open source whether it is 2g 3g or 4g yes uh, for 4g and above you you might not need the specific equipment but for 2g 3g you might need some, some specific equipment such as sdrs and all mm-hmm. but 4g and above which is today's reality mm-hmm. you don't need any specific network element apart from your laptop so coming back to the security aspect of uh, the 5g network now, now that that is in place i want to understand one uh, bring a new, little different dimension mm-hmm. with the 5g as we all understand uh, primarily it's a low latency network it supports high sub- density of the subscribers mm-hmm. and offers you tremendous amount of bandwidth which is which, which we say the enhanced mobile broadband communication mm-hmm. that it supports with this thing there is an important aspect which 5g introduces network slicing now network slicing allows the uh, enterprises mm-hmm. to use the same network by sharing the resources which are uniquely configured for them right, right from the spectrum sharing to uh, the resources which are going to uh, be shared at the core element right now what kind of security challenges does it introduce mm-hmm. for the organizations mm-hmm. who may like to ride over the existing commercial oem networks mm-hmm. and what all security measures should be ensured for them so that even if i ride i piggyback over the existing operators network mm-hmm. by using the uh, slicing functionality of the 5g which offers me mm-hmm. at the same time how should i ensure the security of uh, this sliced network right. what all are your recommendations so a uh, major threat that we might be facing in the future for, uh, between the slicing is you know interslice communication so most of the time what operator does is they keep the network in a load balanced mode or sometimes they might uh, might allot a specific resource for the specific slice but there could be a human error that is a routing if you face any issue in the routing if you make a routing uh, uh, in a wrong way there could be a interslice communication which might utilize the resources of other slices or you might be able to research, let's take example we have the basic slicing that is embb and ice mobile broadband you have a low latency communication for urllc you might be able to communicate between between both of them and you can you know you can cause some disturbances so let me tell you one thing one one, one more point that i would like to bring to attention is uh, network element the telecom network element are just becoming a pipe now whatever you do inside the pipe is not the telecom operator's business now means telecom operator will say that okay i am giving you path from a direction to the b direction whether you want to use the encrypted communication in it or whether you want to use the vulnerable connection communication between it it is the end user's responsibility here so let's take an example if you are using two slices which allows each other to communicate and if you are using the vulnerable network application inside it then of course you are you are vulnerable there yes operator can add the managed security services on the top of it allowing the blocking of the un- unwanted communication allowing the blocking of unwanted unwanted you know uh, unwanted uh, ports or unwanted uh, uh, you know that types of protocols yes that operator can add uh, give it as add on there Mm-hmm. i think this then increases the complexity of maybe writing the cyber security sops that an organization will have to follow to ensure that their slice portion of the networks are sanitized uh, always tested by doing some pen testing against them Okay. and uh, one more point is that you know you should adopt to the aiml now because most of the time you must you must have seen is you know it becomes a very 
complex job to analyze the, all the traffic rules or analyze all the firewall rules it becomes really really complex for a single person or a team of person to handle so there should be some kind of automation to be brought into the penetration testing there should be some kind of automation to be brought into a you know what you call it into analysis part of the rules there should be some kind of analysis to be done in terms of any any changes in the network that has to be automatically addressed whether it is a good change or a bad change that is needed here and i'm sure you are driving such initiatives of uh, bringing up these solutions and i'm sure those who are interested can always reach out to you to know know a little more insight into that but uh, but tell me uh, from the security perspective in the 5g network routing seems to be one of the issue which you just mentioned right. possibly misrouting or uh, the uh, or the uh, um, the engineer who would have misconfigured and or let's say uh, re- reprogrammed a false route route for the testing purposes but uh, failed to restore it back or to or to update his routing table so uh, while routing is one of the dimension what are the other dimensions and even including routing if you like to little throw a little comment on highlight on this aspect what are what dimensions mm-hmm. in a 5g network can actually have an impact on the security i'll i'll, I'll say that and you bring know, the network down or the services down i'll say that you know uh, as long as operator as well as the users take care of their uh, of the network like you know they should not use the outdated software that could be vulnerable on the user side as well as operator should not allow the communication patterns which are not required means you might you should not see, you should not see certain certain types of protocol on the particular slice okay you should not see certain types of communication on a particular slice operator should implement this blocking honestly it is not the operator's job right now because operator is just giving you the pipe but operator could add this as a managed security services now speaking about the user let's take example i i took from one operator i took a slice for the purpose of url lc okay i need the low latency network i need uh, when when i speak about the low latency network i'll make sure that i send the uh, small small packets all the time so that my data reach to the destination very quickly okay now what we can do here is we can uh, we as a user make sure that i should not start flooding the network i should have the gated policy for my communication these all all points has to be addressed from the user point of view now speaking from the user perspective right we you know operator and the user both have to take care of their network like you know as a as a user if you are using the 5g network in terms of different slicing or as a corporate user or in a private network what you should be doing is you should not use outdated software you should uh, allow the certain uh, policies from your ue like let's take example if you are running uh, if you are using the url llc uh, as and as a user what you should be doing is you know you should only, you should not use that slice for any other communication than the url llc you should not expose that uh, expose the ports that are not required on the slice okay now speaking of from the operator point of view operator can add certain rules in that uh, for that slicing that you should not allow the sli- the ip address range from the other slices you should not allow certain protocols that are not needed in that slicing and this is all has to be taken care by the operator okay and uh, speaking from this point of view there could be many services extra add-on services that you can add for the security point of view like adding certain firewalls adding certain uh, filtering uh, filtering rules whether it is for the purpose of network whether it is for the purpose of the web application that are being used in any slices that is going to be the you know the best way to actually handle it great so uh, let me add a new dimension to this overall uh, security ecosystem of the 4g and the 5g network that we are discussing 
uh, an important element in the mobile communication uh, within the user handset, mm -hmm. which I mentioned earlier also, is the SIM card, mm -hmm. which I would say is the heart of the communication at the user equipment side, mm -hmm. the UE side. Now, SIM cards coming in the physical form mm -hmm. and SIM cards are now coming into e-SIM cards. Right. What are the security nuances associated mm -hmm. at the physical SIM card level which should be taken care while the SIM card is being burnt? Let's say there's an enterprise, private enterprise network which wants to implement its private 5G network. What all security aspects should that enterprise ensure mm -hmm. to ensure that the intra-communication within the enterprise, which is dependent on 5G, mm -hmm. the SIM card doesn't become the vulnerable aspect mm -hmm. from that perspective and for, so for the common uh, operators like we you and me use on everyday basis and how is supposed to be security handled when it comes to e-sim card mm -hmm. uh, i just want you to tell the audience both from a technical perspective and any kind of policy intervention or change that you recommend based on the way you handle security now speaking about the sim card issue right sim card will be mostly the problem of the sim card will face the mostly problem of the supply chain Let's take an example, SIM cards are getting manufactured at the OEM's place. Then uh, the information about the SIM card and the SIM card are shipped to the operator. Sometimes whenever, uh, during this shipment or sometimes if the OEM get compromised, the information about the SIM card that is the initial profile inside the SIM card may get compromised. Okay, and if this profile is get compromised, then it is a possibility of the SIM cloning. Now, as you can clone the SIM, you can create a replica of that as well. So how you should be handling this is, you know, you should give only the initial profile whenever the SIM card is being issued as a new SIM card. Okay, then whenever you uh, you activate the new new profile, what you should be doing is you should assign the new identity when the SIM card actually gets activated on a subscriber. This is the one way to tackle this. Speaking about the eSIM, the supply chain issue is there, but not in terms of the way it was in the physical SIM. Let me talk talk about that as well. So whenever we speak about the or uh, downloading the profile inside the SIM card by scanning the QR code, okay. So this there is an encrypted communication between the SIM card. Notice my point. It is a SIM card and the operator's SMDP, okay, which is a SIM eSIM distribution platform. It is encrypted between them. And anyone who is in the chain, even the phone cannot listen to this communication or a phone cannot uh, you know decrypt this communication. I mean. Uh, what I mean by listen to this is phone cannot decrypt this communication. Okay. And this is entirely based on the PKI defined by the GSMA. GSMA has defined a separate PKI for the purpose of issuing the SIM card, eSIM card, I mean. Okay. Now, when you actually download the SIM card and you activate the SIM profile, at that time, only the operator and the SIM or the eSIM has that information. And even if you have access to the physical SIM card, you won't be able to recover it. Okay. Now coming about the general general practice that has to be implemented for whether it is a physical SIM or eSIM. Now SIM card has a different parameters in terms of using the type of encryption, using a type of applets that are applet are the small application inside the SIM card and using the certain configuration parameter on, over the SIM card. This is applicable to whether it is a eSIM or whether it is a physical SIM. Now these security parameters such as sad, uh, patching the sad browser vulnerability, patch, uh, enforcing encryption and integrity check whenever there is a new software being installed inside the SIM card or whenever there is a communication from the OTA server over the air server is there, OTA server is there. From the OTA server where any communication is happening, it has to be encrypted, it has to be integrity protected. These all parameters has to be taken care by the operator. Okay. And from the uh, the eSIM card perspective, what are the associated risks that have come across you yeah. while you handle the security? 
and therefore how were they mitigated or how should they be addressed so speaking about the threat to the asim or or physical sim i'm bringing the physical sim again because sim swap is the major threat that is going to be faced in the future because is once you delete or once you lose your phone and if you want to reissue the sim reissue the sim card on your name there has to be certain procedures followed from the operator side before issuing the new sim if there is a insider threat then there is a chances of you know reissuing the same on another uh, same sim card to the another user then the another user can use it to intercept the otps and do the banking transaction now the most of the telecom world is facing the challenge of the sim swap attack where attacker gathers the banking information of the target then perform the sim swap attack on behalf of on on behalf of the target by using the insider threat but doesn't the network recognizes that there are on the same against the same number there are sims operating uh, within the network from two different places so whenever you issue a new sim when you swap which is called as sim swap the older sim gets deactivated and the newer sim gets activated now so that is that is the same thing yes does it so, so does it increases because of the e sim introduction i will not say that because because of the e sim but it, it becomes easy for be uh, easy because of the e sim why i will tell you if i have to get a physical sim issued for myself okay i have to go to the store i have to purchase it from there there might be a chances that my identity could be revealed there akib just tell me that we just discuss about the physical sim and while we were talking about uh, this uh, wanted to talk about e sim so when the e sims introduction is going to get introduced oh sorry is going to increase actually and uh, we are doing away gradually with the physical sim cards we may do away with the physical sim cards so what all uh, measures uh, can a sim manufacturer mm-hmm. or and uh, the operator can take to mitigate the associated risks in uh, in the 5g networks when the number of e sims uh, subscribers may actually increase where because handset support uh, dual sims in which one of the sims could be physical the other could be a sim or or they could be now we could just do away with physical sim so what all security aspects should an operator or a sim manufacturer should take to ensure that uh, the security is intact of the 5g network or the 4g network so whenever uh, operator issues any new a sim right so there should be some strict parameters has to be configured for the sim profile now when you download a a sim in your profile it it doesn't mean that you are downloading a new sim you so you are downloading a pa- a sim profile inside your sim card which is like you know which is like virtualization so one a sim can store multiple profile same way one computer can host multiple virtual machine right so that particular a sim profile becomes specific to that operator so operator can configure the strict policy in terms of updating that esm disabling that esm and only the operator should have remote communi- communication capability for that particular esm and the keys which are used to communicate with this esm should be randomized should not be common for all the esm profiles akib uh, while these uh, networks are now expanding uh, 5g rollouts are expanding 4g is already uh, coexisting when the 5g rollouts are happening uh, how do you think that uh, when in the roaming within the country or let's say outside country how is the security aspect supposed to be handled or what are your recommendations or view or the risk associated now and therefore how should they be addressed when it comes to the roaming aspect in the 5g network where it is coexisting with the 4g network so uh, when you speak about the 5g roaming there are two types of roaming will be considered into this one that is one is going to be the saa roaming that is standalone roaming another is going to be the non standalone roaming when you speak about the non standalone roaming it will be entirely based on uh, you know uh, like uh, 
existing 4G network, okay? And when you speak about the standalone roaming, it means whenever you go to the uh, country where you want, where you want to have the roam, 5G roaming, it supports the 5G standalone communication. Now, initially in uh, previous technologies, there was no communication encryption okay here okay everything was a plain text okay so in 5g they introduced another network element that is also called as a signaling firewall which is called as sepp okay so this sepp is a edge protection pro proxy that actually done does the wor work of encrypting the end-to-end -end communication so whoever is mediating this roaming connection between the two operator so this sepp is protecting the communication and speaking about the data traffic and the rest of the communication, everything is taken care of here. Okay. Now you will not see the issues that we have seen in the older technologies, like you know, like a call interception using SS7 or a data traffic interceptor interception using diameter. These attacks you will not see in 5G roaming. But there is a long way ahead till we reach the 5G SA roaming because right now most of the networks are not even capable of providing the 4G roaming. Okay. So you will see the western countries are providing the non-standalone non -stand uh, non roaming that is nsa roaming but still no no country has even started the uh, standalone roaming so far but just for the sake of clarity for the audience uh, when we were mentioning about the non-standalone mode and the standalone mode in standalone mode uh, the g node b and the core are absolutely pure 5g whereas in the non-standalone mode the g node b is a 5g radio however the core is a 4g network so therefore, when in the NAND standalone mode communication happens, that is the NSA mode, when the communication happens, uh, the uh, uh, control uh, plane information goes over the 4G and uh, the data plane go communication happens between the, on the 5G interface that is between the handset and the uh, our, uh, G node B. So the principal difference. So this is what the context I think that we were talking about. So, uh, so any other aspect of uh, that is should be addressed in the roaming from the security perspective? See, uh, roaming most uh, in earlier days, which is not changing by the way, was considered as you know like a blind trust based on a blind trust. But as the uh, attacks are being uncovered in the roaming interface, many operators are getting aware and they are only exposing and they should only expose what is required. They should not expose all the network element. They should not expose all the all the traffic patterns. Okay. Sometimes you know attacker can use the network to using the standard roaming protocol and exfiltrate the data as well. So operators should have the deep packet inspection as well on the roaming interface just as to see what exactly data is going out of my network. See, I understand the point that you know you cannot uh, do the DPI in a large scale for the user traffic, but for the, at least for the signaling traffic, you should have some kind of a some kind of a you know DPI so that you understand what exactly going out of my network and what exactly is coming inside my network. Great, okay. But one quick question which I want to just immediately ask. 5G has a use case of supporting large number of devices and we are going to see a large number of IoT devices getting connected, which is the principle, I would say, the, the advantage of the 5G ne network because it supports large density of the subscribers. With the penetration of the large IoT connected devices, which may be using 5G as the backbone communication network, do you see any impact on security? And what are your recommendations to handle vulnerabilities by due to uh, or the risks which will get introduced due to in induction of the large IoT devices on the 5G network? 
see i understand the point that you know uh, there will be huge number of network elements there will be huge number of uh, you know devices to manage but for sure we need to add the uh, security controls in terms of firewall in terms of uh, proxies for, for protecting the web traffic in terms of adding some you know uh, restricting some ports in terms of uh, restricting some different types of uh, certain certain types of communication only this is all is needed when it comes to whether it is a less number of equipment or more number of equipment got the point that is there got the point uh that brings me into one last question that i would like to ask you before we uh, wind up this discussion what are um, arkeb's recommendations uh while india is again on the rollout of expanding the 5g coverage mm-hmm. pan india mm-hmm. 4g networks are definitely existing and they are going to stay there for some time mm-hmm. so what are arkeb's recommendation for the security entrepreneurs mm-hmm. who may want to contribute to build up the security ecosystem mm-hmm. for the secure 5g networks for the india mm-hmm. what are your recommendations for the policy makers mm-hmm. from the security perspective mm-hmm. what are your recommendations for the operators and the oems so if you could like to give two two points or one point each whatever are the key highlights for these four stakeholders that is security entrepreneurs mm-hmm. policy makers oems and the operators so that we have a robust security network telecommunication network of 4g and 5g in the country so for the security entrepreneurs there is a too much room for developing the protection application in terms of defense in terms of offense okay in terms of detection there's too much room for those security entrepreneurs to develop these applications there are very few startups working in terms of a 5g security speaking about the private 5g security there'll be there's a huge room there now speaking about the policy makers there should be a unified policy there should be government should draft or the policy makers should draft a minimum baseline security standards okay government should uh, make sure that a framework that is followed by each and every whether it is a private operator or a public operator they should they should follow the some kind of a policy policy mechanism in terms of penetration testing in terms of audits in terms of a secure oem policy okay speaking about the oem they should follow the some uh, standard soft software secure software development policies uh, as well as they should go on frequent penetration testing of their softwares they should ha- employ, employ the robustness testing of the this on the software speaking about the operators see 5g networks are 5g network and the 5g protocols are becoming more and more open so you will see the huge number of people including the script kiddies who will use the ready made tools including the top level hackers who will try to exploit the network this is going to be there and this is going to go on going to increase in the future so operators should be prepared for this operators are right now focusing on the roaming security operators are focusing on the internal security but they are leaving the one crucial uh, point entry point that is the handset of the subscriber where the malicious user can create a zombie network of millions of cell phones or he can create a network of you know specific specific users so that which can perform certain types of attacks so operator should also be prepared from the user point of view or the subscription or subscriber point of view that attack may come from that entry point as well great akib it was a great insight from you 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 being the hands on person handling security steering security actually understanding how security works uh, you yourself have implemented so many solutions mm-hmm. which i'm sure are going to be very handy to the operators not only in india but across the globe uh to make sure that uh, security which is a necessity for every citizen on the earth um, as we say one earth one family one future so may, uh, ensuring that 
these security implementations are unique they are unified they are uniform practices to the best extent possible uh, we hope that uh, the rollout of the country's 4g and 5g network is going to have a tremendous and robust security with all the tips and um, insights that we have got into this uh, small talk that we tried to capture various domains uh, thank you very much for joining in and uh, we look forward for further engagement thank you very much thank you vinit thank, thank you for everything